Hello and welcome to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike, and today I'm joined with Phil Waldrop, who is an author, speaker, founder, and CEO of numerous organizations. So stay tuned. Hello and welcome back, everyone, to the Guys Like Us podcast. This is your host, Tyler Brondike. And thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Guys Like Us podcast today with Phil Waldrip. It is a very interesting time that we are living in now, and I know that many across the world uh, who will be tuning into this podcast are quarantined, are limited in their access um, outside and social distancing, and are taking precautions um, to flatten the curve and do what they can by staying at home. And I believe this is an incredible opportunity for us, not only to uh, get deeper um, as you are listening to podcasts and um, narrowing in on your spiritual life, um, but also as an opportunity um, to share this with others and empower others to a life that opens up the possibility of hope for them um, and what that looks like as, as we move forward as followers of Christ. How can we be people that are uh, vessels for moving something forward, moving something powerful that changes lives um, and, and really just brings uh, joy to the work that we do. So without further ado, today's podcast is with Phil Waldrip. He discusses his latest book, Beyond Betrayal, Overcome Past Hurts and Begin to Trust Again. Uh, we discuss the genesis, the origin of writing this book, um, which was released now a few months ago uh, when this podcast was recorded. Um, he discusses a personal story of being uh, betrayed by his business partner and somebody who was close to him and uh, just had a lot of uh, a lot of side by side work together uh, in business and in ministry. Um, we discuss uh, biblically what. Um, Jesus tells us about betrayal, trust, some of the, the negative um, emotions and states that we can find ourselves in uh, when we're in these situations, um, whether it's anger or shame, and just um, how we can then move forward into this healing process and just let God work in our lives um, and work through this process um, to, to find healing. Uh, I'm really excited for this podcast and, and know that you will enjoy it as well. So here is my conversation with Phil. Thanks so much for joining me in the Guys Like Us podcast. Well, thanks, Tyler. I'm just glad to be with you. Yes, thank you. I'm super excited to have you on. And it's a it's a big day for you. We're recording this podcast on February 11th, which is the, the release of your latest book, uh, Beyond Betrayal. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Thank you. It's a big day, and we're excited, and, and even more excited about the impact that we think the book is going to have. Absolutely. So, can you um, just to, to kind of get us get us going? Can you can you share a bit more about your your background and what what led you to uh, to write this book? Well, you know my story. I I grew up uh, with two wonderful Christian parents. I grew up in a very functional family. Mm. I was very blessed and fortunate in that role. We were very active in a little rural church, um, and my extended family, my church family, were all people who uh, loved me, people I could trust, 
oh, 15 years of age or so, that I wanted to go into ministry. And so I, I answered that call. I went into ministry. I was speaking in churches. And then as I was speaking in churches, I got the opportunity to start doing youth camps. And the youth camps grew until we started doing women's events and men's events and later senior adult events, which is our celebrators. Mm. And all the while, God was so good, had wonderful staff of people that was around me. And to be honest, I trusted everybody. Mm. And it was just because I really grew up in an environment of trust. And, and that was great. Until one day, my life kind of came to a screeching halt. It initially started with two men who came to see me who were uh, federal law enforcement agents, and they needed to talk to me, and they needed my possible assistance in an investigation. Now, I have to fast forward to come back that the investigation uh, in no way involved anybody who was affiliated with me. They initially thought it was possible that some friends and family of one of my co-workers may, may have been involved, and they weren't. And I have to make that real clear. They were not. So, But for three or four months, I could not say anything. I could not tell my wife because I was sworn to secrecy. And even parts of that investigation today, I still cannot discuss. And they later arrested people who were in no way affiliated with uh, my friend, my colleague, an employee, and so the question becomes then, how did that lead to my betrayal? Well, as the investigation ended, one of the agents said to me, as a brother in the Lord, I think you need to know you have an employee who is not what you think he is. And that's really all he said. He kind of told me some areas that I may need to look. And when I started doing my own investigation, I discovered that one of my dear friends, colleague, uh, you know, person who had been involved in ministry uh, was doing some very immoral and very unethical things. And, and I was shattered. My world was shattered because I did not think he was capable. I mean, I really didn't. I mean, he would have been one of the last people I would have said would have betrayed me and the ministry that we were involved in. And that set me on a journey where I had to really walk through a lot of raw emotions. I had to evaluate every relationship in my life, including my relationship with the Lord. Mm -hmm. And yet at the same time, though it took me a long time to go through it, I got out on the other side and can look back now and sit down and can write about it in Beyond Betrayal. Now that it's my story, but you've got guys listening right now, Tyler, as you know, that their their wife has been unfaithful. A business partner has stolen some money. Maybe an employee took some uh, trade secrets and they left to start a competing business. Your best friend, you confided in them, and then they shared it with people and not only are you embarrassed about it, but maybe you didn't get the promotion. It, the, all the list of betrayal, it just keeps going and going and going. And my discovery is if we do not process it well, then the result is it's going to affect every relationship we have for the rest of our life. Mm -hmm. Wow. Very, very powerful. And uh, you touched on something in there that I wanted to kind of 
dive in on a little bit more and it's, uh, you know, people that are a little bit closer to us. Um, for you, it was an employee. Um, I think for others listening, it could be a, a spouse uh, or maybe a, you know, a friend that they've established relationship with and just have gone, you know, gone through a lot together. I, I feel like sometimes those can be the hardest ones to, um, A, I guess, not only think that they could do something like that, but then B, um, regain trust back in that person. Um, was that, you know, I guess in terms of the the signs or the indicators that something was going on, what, did you have any kind of idea that there was something off with that relationship? Well, looking back, I would be very quick to say I should have. And at the moment when the, when the uh, gentleman told me that I needed to look at one of my employees, and we had several, I had to confess the person who I later found who betrayed me was the first person I thought it could be. Now, if you've gone through a deep betrayal, and, and let me say this for men who are listening, mm. they wonder why they're hurting. I discovered the pain of a betrayal is directly related to the level of investment you have in that relationship. Mm. So if it's where there's a deep, intimate relationship, mm. friendship, uh, you know, companion, worker, whatever the case may be, the more you have invested in that relationship, the more the betrayal hurts. Now, when I look back, I can see a lot of warning signs. But at the time, I either did not see them or I didn't want to see them. And when you have a deep relationship, friendship, uh, a co-worker, you really aren't looking for it. You know, it's amazing. You can find what you're looking for. And I wasn't looking for it, so I didn't see things. Mm -hmm. But I have to tell you, it really, there was so much pain out of that experience because um, I found, and this is what I find when guys go through betrayal, uh, women too, but men probably at an even deeper level. Number one, you're in a denial mode. It's like you've just found out your best friend has been killed in an accident. Your body goes into this emotional shock. So we say things, tell me that's not true. Wake me up. Let me, let me find out this is a bad dream. And we don't know how to process it. But the minute the reality hits and we realize we have been betrayed, our spouse, our wife has been unfaithful uh, or whatever, the moment that happens, you're going to get angry. Your emotions become very raw. Now, when you get angry, you can express that anger in unhealthy ways. You can scream at people, you can throw things, mm. you can just, whatever the case may be. Or you may do what I did. You internalize the anger and you're mad, but you can sit in a room with people and nobody really realizes you're mad, but you really are angry. And the Bible says, Paul said, we to be angry and sin not. Anger is a healthy thing if it is used and processed in the right way. But unfortunately for guys, when we are angry, we sometimes process it in the wrong way. And we start saying, because we want to be tough. I got this. I can handle this. I'm over. I've had guys tell me when they're deeply betrayed the next day, I'm over. It's already behind me. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, dude, you're not over it. It took me 20 years to completely get over the betrayal. And I'm not what you call a deeply emotional person. 
as far as like really, you know, being emotionally expressive. But yet I've kind of put it in a closet, shut the door. But every time certain things were said or happened, I opened that closet door. And as a guy, you're going to think you're over it because that's what you want to be. So you're trying to rush the process and you can't rush the process. And when that anger gets put into a closet, it will start growing a root of bitterness. Mm, yeah. And then you become bitter. And if you're not careful, well, in most cases, bitterness that's not addressed will lead you to revenge. Now, you may not get in your truck and go out and beat somebody up, but at least you verbally try to assassinate them or you verbally try to associate people with them. And I, I tell people all the time about bitterness because guys will say, well, I'm not bitter. And I look at them and I say, you know what I have discovered about bitterness? Bitterness is like a person with bad breath. Everybody around them knows they have it except the person who has it. And so the people around you may see the bitterness, but you don't see the bitterness. That's what I went through, and I believe is what every person who has been betrayed. You feel all their emotions. First, you can't believe it. Then you're angry. Then you're going to get bitter. Mm -hmm. Then you're going to try to be revengeful at some level. And if you don't process each of those stages well and biblically, you're going to be in for a train wreck in all your relationships in life. Mm. Wow. And, um, no, I, 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 I completely agree. And I think there's, um, you mentioned men and I, I, I've seen a lot of you know people I know and just looking at some of the data as well on um, just uh, wanting to move past something quite quickly and not mm -hmm. spending that time to, to do some of this deep work and really doubling down on um, on maybe emotions that haven't fully been healed uh, and redeemed. Mm -hmm. um, can you can you talk about kind of um, what that process looked like for you? Um, kind of, you know, practically of what you, how you started to kind of take those steps toward, you know, as, as the book indicates to get, to move beyond betrayal because there is, there is hope. Well, what I had to discover first of all was, and, and some things I did was not healthy for me spiritually or otherwise. No. And some things were one of the things that I did that was very helpful for me. And I have to be honest, I initially did it because it was the only thing I could do. Remember I told you in the initial phase of the betrayal, I was sworn to absolute secrecy and I could not speak mm. without there being serious repercussions. So the only way I could express what I was feeling was to put it to paper. Mm -hmm. And I had always journaled. I believe journaling is a great mm -hmm. thing to do. Yep. But I was able to vent my anger on paper. Now, some of the things I wrote, I, I mean, I immediately destroyed. Uh, and I tell men, it's okay to run it through the shredder, but it helps you verbalize what you're feeling. And you're not going to write anything down that God doesn't already know. So he's not going to go, oh, my, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. That's not going to happen. Um and I, that was a step I took. And then I began to read um, scripture, but especially the book of Psalms. Now, we think of the, the book of Psalms as a songbook, and many of the Psalms were put to music. But if you think about it, Psalms was also part of the journal of King David. And he mm -hmm. was betrayed many times in his life. 
and he would put to paper under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. how he felt when he cried out to God about his enemies and those who were opposing him and people even in his own family who had betrayed him, his own son Absalom, for example. And I began to read all the things that David said and found myself thinking, well, that's exactly how I feel, you know, hundreds, thousands of years later. And I found the feelings that we encounter are very common. Now, I'll also tell you, Tyler, there were two things that I had to do that helped me process. One of them was I had always been told forgiving is forgetting. That if you really forgive somebody, you just forget about it. And usually when I hear that, I look at people and say, well, you've never been betrayed deeply because I don't know if you even have the human capability of totally forgetting a painful experience. I mean, it's like looking to someone who's been through a divorce and saying, well, if you forget, I mean, if you forgive them, you forget you were even married to the person. That's 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 not even reasonable, and it's not biblical. Mm-hmm. God has the ability to forgive and forget, and I think when we get to heaven, we'll have a perfect body, and we will have the ability to forget because there's no pain in heaven, and it's a painful experience. So I had to come to that realization, and then there was a second one for me, and that was disassociating forgiveness and trust. They're two different things. If I forgive my betrayer, it does not mean that the relationship is instantly restored to the level it was Mm. before the betrayal. And it certainly doesn't mean that though I have forgiven, and let me just stop to say, forgiveness is giving up all rights to revenge. It's saying, I'm not going to get even with you even if I have a chance. That is forgiveness. Trust is something you earn. In fact, think of it this way. In the Bible, we are told many times to forgive. And many times in the Bible, we're told to trust God. But not one time from Genesis to the Revelation, not one time in Scripture are we told to trust another person. Now, that's interesting. Now, there's implications to all of that, but there's a reason why. Because trust is something you earn. It's not something that can just be freely given to every person. You don't trust everybody you meet on the street. You don't know them. And as a result, they have to enter a relationship and earn your trust. When you go through a betrayal, the betrayer has to understand if they're repentant, trust has to, you have to start from the beginning and rebuild that trust. If, if a person, let's say there's a guy, listen, and he's the betrayer, he's been unfaithful to his wife, and he doesn't understand why his wife, just every time he comes home, where have you been, where have you been with, she just needs to trust me. Well, dude, i got to tell you, you've got to earn that trust back. Let her know where you've been, who you've been with, and you don't lie to her. Because mm-hmm. if you want the trust to be restored, you have to be willing to have that accountability. The same time, if you've been betrayed, you're going to obsess over what that person may or may not be doing, especially if they're trying to restore the relationship. But trust is earned. Forgiveness is something I give to a person, even if they don't deserve it. Mm-hmm. I forgive them. And when I forgive them, I give up all rights to revenge. 
And Tyler, I would add to that, that forgiveness is not a one-time act. I used to think it was, but then I realized, especially in the early days of betrayal, you have to get up every day and say, I choose to forgive this person. I choose not to seek revenge today. So that was the process for me as I went through that betrayal. Mm, wow. That's um, extremely, again, really powerful. And I, um, this made me think about something that just happened yesterday, actually, um, was speaking with somebody and she had, uh, I would consider this a betrayal-like experience where her, she, she's the mother of, um, of six children and one of her children um, was, was shot and was killed. Um, oh. And it, it was horrible. And, but, and she came to speak to, and just on her experience of finding, of being able to find healing um, and wholeness. And mm-hmm. she, I, I mem- in her story, she mentioned that at that moment when she uh, was, on, was, was at the courtroom and testifying, um, about the incident or about the the crime um she something came over her and she was compelled to to share uh that that she that she forgave the 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 perpetrators or the two people that Mm -hmm. were in charge and at that moment it it just initiated something for her that Mm -hmm. um she just felt this release and just this this again this this really this healing moment and this process that was initiated um by doing that and it, it so it, the pow- the 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 power of forgiveness i think is so um maybe underappreciated or just not sought out enough as as people who are um striving to to be like christ right well we we feel it's a position of weakness yeah and it's not yeah um, like your friend it's a strong person who can make that choice now I don't know, but I would speculate she may not have felt it emotionally, but she made a choice to forgive. Mm. One of the things that I have said to people, and it is a simple truth, but it is profound. Forgiving the person who hurt you frees you Mm. from the person who hurt you. And as long as you hold on to unforgiveness and you don't make that choice, You don't realize it, but that person who hurt you still has a chain around you. They're controlling your emotions and your thoughts. They're controlling even at times what you do and where you go and who you're with. And so you're like chained to that person. But when you can make a choice like your friend to say, I choose to forgive, I choose to Mm. give up my rights to revenge, The chain falls away. It looks like it's the wrong way, but it's the right way. doesn't mean you're a doormat. That's where the trust issue comes back in. For example, your friend who went through that experience, it would be a long time of trust before, let's say, she might invite them into their home, to her home. Mm -hmm. You couldn't blame her to say, I don't want those people at my house. I don't want them hanging around my kids. That would be a safe decision, but yet over a long period of time of brokenness and true repentance, it may be that could happen someday, but it has to be built with trust. But it begins with an initial decision of saying, I choose. It's a choice Mm -hmm. to forgive. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, 
it's something that you, you talk about in the book as well and um, is, is on shame um, and just the, the, the negative effects um, and opposition that shame can have in this healing process. Can you, can you elaborate a bit more on, on what you mean um, when you discuss shame in the book? Sure. Well, anytime you go through a betrayal, you feel like you're not only the victim, but you feel like you're the cause of the betrayal. Now, mm-hmm. I discovered several things happen. One is uh, when a person betrays you, especially if they, when they're caught, they attack you verbally, they try to attack your self-worth, and they wrap their lies in what they think are truths about you, and they say things about you. All of a sudden, your mind goes back and looks over your life experiences and pulls all the painful files of the past so that, for example, if somebody said, you're not a nice person, well, that tape from every time you heard that, you know, when you were a child and you heard as a teenager, all of those experiences are grouped together. As I like to say, our brain files things in emotional files. So every emotion associated with that negative experience is mm-hmm. brought back to the forefront. Mm-hmm. If you were told you were dumb by the betrayer, you think about every person who told you that in life. If you, you know, told, well, you're just not attractive anymore. You, you hear that from every person who's told you you were ugly all of your life. And the result is we feel this shame because we feel like, well, if we were smarter, this wouldn't have happened. If I had more wisdom, this wouldn't happen. And suddenly we feel it's our fault. And Mm -hmm. so we feel this load of shame. We don't want to be around people. We don't want to be around certainly the people who knew us, uh, who knew both of us. And it just becomes that you walk around with low self-worth, low self-esteem, feeling like nobody loves you. And what I discovered that I had to do was I had to stop listening to what the betrayer said and what other people said from earlier in my life. And I had to start listening to what God said, Mm -hmm. who God said I was. I began to read scriptures like, uh, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. I read scriptures, you know, some of the scriptures where it talks about how God loves us, where Paul said in Ephesians, we're accepted into the beloved. Verses like we're familiar, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world. Well, I would read it and insert my name. For God so loved Phil that he gave mm-hmm. his only begotten son, that if Phil mm-hmm. believed in him. And so I made the promises of God personal. And I validated what God said about me through my relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. I allowed that to validate me, not the shame I felt from the words and the actions of the betrayer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and again, shame, I think shame can be so demoralizing because we, we're in we're we put ourselves deeper into a hole, I, I think. And it's it's we were able to find that empowerment um, and just that rootedness in our identity through through this journaling through um reading the psalms which really gives this um you know fearfully and wonderfully made and, and are able to to really reclaim um who we are in, in the image of god mm-hmm. and so something i wanted to just to, to transition 
on is is on trust and that's something that is um you said that you earn trust and mm-hmm. i really appreciate that distinction between forgiveness and trust um i think sometimes we can just you know blend up these all in together and, and move too quickly mm-hmm. through him w- what do we learn uh in jesus about G- with uh, just jesus's way of trust and, and 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 what the bible teaches us about trust um as we you know are it once we move, you know, from forgiveness to mm-hmm. um, to grow into this trust. Well, Jesus is an example. When you look at the experience with Judas, mm-hmm. and the thing you have to remember is John told us in his gospel that Jesus knew from the beginning that Judas would betray him. Even when he went to the leaders and said, I will betray him, and they gave him 30 pieces of silver. And he returned to the disciples. Jesus knew exactly what he had done. Now, I think it's important to remember on the issue of trust, Jesus didn't trust Judas, but he did totally trust his heavenly father. Mm. He trusts the plan of God, even when he could not and did not trust Judas. And because of his trust in God's divine plan, he was able to wash the feet of Judas as he did the other disciples. And when you trust God's plan, you are able to love people, even people who betrayed you. But you have to have a trust in God's plan that ultimately, uh, in the case of Jesus, there's going to be a resurrection and there's going to be redemption. Without that trust, you can't love people adequately. But Jesus loved Judas even when Judas had betrayed him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, well, Phil, I want to move on from the the book just to uh, to kind of wrap things up. But is there anything else you'd like to share um, on this book for for readers? Um, maybe uh, anything that we didn't cover, or what what you're hoping readers can take away from this book? Well, what I want. What I really want readers to know is that if you've gone through a betrayal, if you've got a friend who's gone through the betrayal, I I really want to encourage you to get a copy of this book and read it or give it to them. It's an easy read. I am blatantly honest, and I give you very practical steps. This is what you need to do at this point. And they're very practical, but they're very helpful. But the message I want people to walk away with is this is that your life after a betrayal can be, because you have this feeling, my life will never be as good as it was. Actually, your life can be better than it was. And I'll tell you how I learned that in a very visual way. You know, uh, society, people, cultures, really prior to the 1800s, everybody used pottery. I mean, that was what they used in their kitchens. And when a piece of pottery was broken, they swept up the pieces and they threw it away. Once it was broken, that piece of pottery had no value. Every culture did that except the Japanese culture. And in the Japanese culture, when a piece of pottery was broken, they picked up the pieces and because they thought it still had worth and value, they made a proxy and carefully put the pieces back together. But when they did it, they used gold. Gold was an element that needed to be used in those days for the proxy to work. Today, 
if you find a piece of pottery prior to you know the 1800s or earlier from Japanese culture that is perfect, never been broken, it has a value. But if you find a piece that was broken and repaired with a proxy using gold, it has a far higher value than the piece that was never broken. And what I want people to walk away from reading beyond betrayal is not that there's just hope and life's going to get okay. Mm -hmm. No, life can be better. And if you will do it God's way and let him pick up the brokenness of your life, put your life back together with the, with the gold of his love and his wisdom and his teaching, your life can have greater value after a betrayal than it did before a betrayal. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that's that's incredible. That's an, that's a fantastic illustration. I, I have never heard about that, um, and I think that that touches on um, on this process and and the worth that you come out on the other side of it um, mm-hmm. as well. Fantastic. To 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 wrap up, I, I know you're involved. Um, you know, we had discussed before the podcast some of the numerous mm-hmm. ministries that you're doing. Um, can you can you share a little bit on what you're doing with the with pastors retreats? Uh, you know, for and for leaders, um, there's a lot of leaders that are that are listening right now. Um, just mm-hmm. wanted to kind of hear you know a, a, a little bit into what you're up to with that. Well, I love pastors and churches and church leaders. And in fact, one of the things I've learned when I wrote Beyond Betrayal is it's really been helpful for pastors because so many of them have been betrayed. And they were a little bit isolated because they didn't have good friends that they could talk to and share with. And so um, that was part of the reason writing the book. But one of the things that uh, 1984, I came to New England for the first time. I mean, I'm a Southern boy. I live in Alabama. Never been above the Mason-Dixon line in my life. And when I came to Vermont and I did uh, spoke in a church for a revival, a series of, of services, Um, I began to see the need for pastors to be encouraged, especially in New England. And so we started uh, a retreat called the New England Pastors Encouragement Retreat, Mm -hmm. where pastors and their spouses from across the denominational lines, common thread is they love Jesus, they love his word, and want to use the word of God to make a difference in the lives of people. Mm -hmm. They started coming to this retreat. And now we have two of them. They're back to back. We do them somewhere, two different locations in New England every year. And we just pour into somewhere between four and 500 men and women every year. And I love every minute of that. First of all, I know you're in Boston and you know I love New England. Anytime I get an excuse to come to New England, I just want to come there. My favorite people in the whole world is to come to New England. And for a Southerner, people find that a bit surprising. But I love the place. And just to come there and pour into their lives is very refreshing to me and to encourage them to go back to their places of ministry and make a difference. So we're doing that. We do it every fall, um, two big retreats we do there. And it's just been a blessing to me. And we raise the money. Pastors and spouses are able to come at no cost to that retreat. Wow. Wow. Amazing. Um, well, well, this has been, this has been a really great conversation and, um, getting a little bit deeper into, uh, into your book. Um, and also kind of some, an outlet for where people can can stay up to date with uh, some other things that you're doing. W- w- where can we find you and, and and get the book as well? 
Well, the book's available at any uh, major book outlet, uh, any that you use, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, any of those have the book. Okay. But there's also a special website called beyondbetrayalbook.com, beyondbetrayalbook.com. And that has more about the book and connects you with all of the booksellers where you can get it. But it also uh, has an opportunity for you to uh, connect with more that we're doing in our ministry. So it's beyondbetrayalbook.com. Awesome. Awesome. Um, I, and I will link to, to that in the show notes as well um, so, so listeners can, can turn, on, turn over and, 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 and go right from there. Um, well, Phil, thanks so much for, for joining the Guys Like Us podcast today. Uh, it's, been, it's been a pleasure. Well, thank you, Tyler. I'm honored to be with you and God's blessings on you and all those who are listening. Thank you.